Hey everyone, welcome back to the Feral Woman Podcast. Today I have an incredible guest. I have Amanda King, who is a woman I have been connected to in the online space for years. I fell in love with her the first time I came across one of her live streams because she is so real, raw, unfiltered, just tells it like it is. And back when I first met Amanda, she was doing business coaching and then human design stuff. I had a human design reading from her years ago that was fantastic, but she has transitioned now into helping women feel more safe and confident in their bodies. And she is one of the top sex educators on the internet right now. She's all over TikTok, all over Instagram. Um, I am just so excited to share her with you guys because I know for a lot of you, freedom is a huge thing, whether that's in your business or your life. And if you're not feeling free in your body, if you're not feeling free in the bedroom, that is restricting you from having more of what you want in every other area because everything is all connected. So Amanda, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Every day you were just talking and I just kept shaking my head because I was like, yes, that's so good. (laughs) So I'm really curious to know what led you to this transition into doing this kind of work. Yeah. So what was it? So I started my coaching business in 2019. Uh, I focused on organic marketing, like launching your business online, basically using social media, uh, no ads, no sales funnels, no freaking website. And my business took off, like absolutely exploded the first year. And I reached the epitome of success that I always wanted to reach, right? We always strive for this, like in our head, what our level of success is. And so I got there And then all of a sudden I was up there and something just didn't feel right. Something didn't feel safe with it. I remember in my business constantly looking at my sales month to month and making the amount of money per month that I was making mean something about me. I remember sitting there and literally just like, and I love my job. And so it never felt like work, but like nonstop working because I was just obsessed with what I was doing. And I started to notice in like 2020 through the pandemic, which I think we all kind of went through our own shit during the pandemic, but I started to kind of just feel unsafe all of the time. Um, And I think that this is a reoccurring theme for a lot of business owners, especially entrepreneurs, we tend to build our businesses on trauma responses. We tend to build our business in this like fight or flight. Like if you hear every story and even me, I used to tote this story like a fucking badge of honor, which was I was broke as fuck. And it was the one thing that allowed me to show up the way I wanted to, because there was no other way, right? It was that or go back to being a pastry chef, which I was super burnt out about. So over the years, as I started feeling like and getting all of this success, something just fell off. And it felt, I don't know how to describe it. I just couldn't, I felt disconnected from myself. I started noticing I could show up on social media and talk about all this shit and be so vulnerable and so transparent with random strangers on the internet. But with myself and with my family members and those around me, I couldn't do that. I really shied away from expressing my emotions. I shied away from my sexuality at this point completely. I had gotten so caught up in this, I need to be successful. I need to make all of the money because money equals safety that I literally stopped being intimate at all. And I mean this in like, intimacy in a sexual way and intimate in a non-sexual way. Like I remember my friends would try to hug me and I would like back away from them. I didn't want, I took the five love languages quiz and got a 0% on physical touch. And like, it was a, uh, it was a 
long joke with me and my friends because I basically had gone into this survival mode where I made my business mean everything about me. And I made the amount of money I was making mean everything about me. And in doing that, I started kind of losing touch with myself. And so I did, I shut down probably at least a year sexually, intimately. And all of a sudden in 2022, I kind of just hit this point where I was like, what the fuck? is going on. Like I got the success that I needed, that I wanted, that I strived for. And yet it still doesn't feel amazing. It's still, there's something missing here. And the missing aspect was I, in a way, unconsciously sacrificed my entire life, my entire existence, my entire sexuality and intimacy in order to reach this success. And now I'm here. And yet I can't even stand physical touch anymore. I can't stand if someone hugs me. I can't express my emotions to the people around me like what is going on and that kind of was the catalyst of this huge sexual empowerment journey and this story is so stupid but I'll share it with you guys so the catalyst was one day I'd started taking edibles I had never taken edibles my entire life and one day my cousin gave me this chocolate bar and he said just take a little and me being the overachiever I am, I took a lot. I took like a whole fourth of a bar, um, which if you've ever taken edibles, they don't hit you right away. Um, they And when they hit you, they fucking hit you. And so I was sitting there at my sister's house. The story is so embarrassing. I was at my sister's house and my niece had said something that just reminded me of my sister. And I started laughing hysterically. And I was like, oh, the edible has hit. And then I stood up and literally the whole world shifted. And so it basically, if you take too many edibles, it feels like you're super fucking drunk. It feels like you were almost like annihilated. Uh, they call it greening out. Some people do. It's it's this weird freaking feeling. I felt like Alice in Wonderland, like everything was tilting around. And so I, it was in the middle of February. It was freezing outside. So I went, I sat outside. Cause I was like, Oh my God, what's going on? I started feeling nauseated. Then I like started kind of in a way hallucinating, feeling like I could predict the future, but I always knew the past long story short, I ended up throwing up in front of my nieces and a trash can on a floor for 45 minutes while I basically was like twitching on the ground coming down from it. And I remember it's so it's like such an embarrassing story, but that was like the point where I was like, I remember during it thinking I was dying because I had never experienced anything like that in my life. And I had only done edibles like three or four times before this. And so I literally thought I was dying. And I felt like my body was like, my, I felt like my soul was kind of coming out of my body and it was crashing back down. But I remember lying there and being like, I'm not going to survive. I'm not going to see my dog, which he's behind me. I'm obsessed with my dog. That was just like, I'm not going to see him again. Like, I've worked my entire life to get to this point. And like, what do I have to show? Like, I went through this whole huge, just like, what is the meaning of all of this shit type of moment during that time? And I remember like waking up the next day and being like, something's got to fucking change. Like, I'm burnt out, even though I wouldn't admit it. Like, I'm burnt out. Like, my I've made my business my core identity. I've made it mean everything about me. And now my personal life has suffered because of it. And I didn't even realize that it was suffering as bad as it was. And so going through that moment, it was 
this day of like reckoning where I woke up the next morning and I was like, shit's got to shift. I have to change. I have to make my life, my sexuality, my intimacy, a priority. And it's got to happen now because you never know as morbid as this is when your last moment is. And I just remember being like, I want to be better. And especially for myself, like I want to reconnect with my body. I want to reconnect with who I am because at that time I couldn't even look at myself naked in a mirror. I couldn't even look at myself and I was expecting the whole world to see me. How the fuck are they supposed to see me if I can't see me? And so that kind of started the journey of shifting into sexual empowerment coaching was talking about how I was attempting to reconnect with my body and my sexuality and all of the societal conditioning. I started realizing I was like living through of what sexual being a sexual being as a woman meant. And as I was going through it and started realizing all the lies that we get told as women since like the beginning of time, um, I started sharing it with my audience and I didn't think it was anything. I thought it was just like some rants that I was going on, but it was just the cat. It was a catalyst. And apparently a bunch of people needed to hear it. And my audience blew up. Like it just, it was everything I ever wanted. And it happened in like the blink of an eye. And so that's kind of how we got here because the response has been incredible and supportive. And I think the world needs to hear this, especially women right now. I love that. Like, that's so fucking powerful. Like, holy testimony of what alignment really is all about. And like, it is so fucked up being a woman in this world. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that I have to say about that. But the older I get, the more I realize the programming and conditioning we have around sexuality. And it's something that I was aware of when I was younger, but now that I'm older, it's like I'm seeing things from a different perspective and it is such a broken system. It's, it's women are set up to fail, right? No matter what we do from the time we get on this planet, we are damned if we do, we are damned if we don't. We are fed contradictory uh, ways of living every single day, right? We are not allowed to feel safe in our bodies because our entire life we're told that we are too tempting and that we need to cover up because male counterparts can't control themselves. And rather than addressing that problem and holding them accountable for their actions, we then look at women and say, it's your fucking fault. Cover up, hide your breasts. Like, why are you wearing that much makeup? You realize how sexy you look with that makeup, but make sure you wear enough makeup where you don't look tired. Because if you don't wear any makeup, everyone's going to tell you you look exhausted. Be thin, but still have tits and ass and thick thighs, but don't be so thin that you look anorexic. You know what I mean? It's just like, how the fuck are we even supposed to thrive in this world when this world doesn't allow us to just be ourselves? They're constantly shoving this ideal notion of what we need to be rather than just saying you're perfect the way you are you're great we love you and that's a way of them controlling us right in and people will say this is conspiracy I don't really think it's conspiracy women can women are 80 percent of the consumer market meaning we drive this fucking economy we make the decisions on what to buy to drive this economy so society tells us how terrible we are Why? Because then they try to sell us a solution. Hey, you're terrible. You look really tired. This new makeup will cover your bags because you've been running around your three kids for the last 15 years. You haven't taken a fucking one night sleep for yourself, but this concealer is going to make it better. Guess what? The concealer is $45, but don't worry. It'll be worth it. 
And so we end up buying all of these products, which drives the market even further. And so we are in the same way allowing this to happen because if we stopped and recognized how powerful we were, how beautiful we were, how incredible we were, we wouldn't need all this shit, right? And then all of a sudden the economy would basically crash because women are that powerful. And that's why society shoves this shit down our throats because they're terrified of us. We're brought up in a patriarchal society that recognizes that as women on an individual level, we are extremely powerful as a group. We are unstoppable. And that's why they also feed this like competition between us and this cattiness between us. It's not us that feels this way. It's people telling us that other women are competition because if we sit here and rip each other apart, we don't pay attention to who's really pulling the strings. I would love your thoughts on women who, whether they're with a partner or not, they're at a stage where they want to explore their sexuality, but they're afraid of what their partner might think, or they're afraid of being too much in the bedroom. Well, I think that there's like a lot we could unwrap here on the fact that like women tend to tap into their sexuality later than life. There are multiple studies that say that men reach their sexual peak in their 20s. Women reach it in their late 30s to early 40s. And the reason this is, in my opinion, it doesn't say in studies, is that's the age where you start realizing all the bullshit lies that everyone's fucking telling you. And that's also the stage where you start getting more comfortable with your body. Because even if we get older, right, we are told like the glorification of male pleasure versus the shame and ridicule of female pleasure is absolutely ridiculous. Boys will be boys, they can masturbate, but girls can't masturbate because that means you're a dirty slut, right? Boys can want anal sex, that doesn't mean anything about them, but if you are a girl who participates in anal sex, you're a fucking whore, right? We are told so many things about ourselves and about what is wrong with us that we don't even recognize how amazing we are and how our body is full of so much pleasure, right? It's we go over in sex ed, it's literally a woman has an orgasm, you create life. This is the way to either not create life, this is the way to not have sex, and this is male ejaculation. And then there are all these these girls who are growing up being like, okay, so my only existence on this planet is to reproduce. My pleasure has no purpose unless it leads to reproduction. So like, I'm not even going to freaking touch myself. I'm not going to do those things. And then as they get older, they're like, well, a lot of them have had children and they're like, okay, I've done my business. Let me start exploring my body. Or most of them get into the age where they're just like, fuck this. This is absolutely exhausting. And so they start exploring on their own. But what the downside of this with some male counterparts, they are also told that female pleasure is bad and men are allowed to masturbate. And it doesn't mean you're replacing your partner. But the second a woman masturbates and gets a toy, it's officially competition for a man. Right. Because God forbid that toy make her come more than her man. And so when women start exploring their sexuality, sometimes they get a lot of lash, like what is it, lashback or whatever from their partners. I get messages all the time of I'm 50 years old sometimes. And she's like, I want to bring a toy into the bedroom because I can't get off via penetration, which is normal. About 20% of women, all women can get off with just penetration alone. That leaves 80% of the world that need clit stimulation or some other stimulation in order to get off. So what do toys do? They provide that extra stimulation. But men have been bred 
to believe that 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 is competition because they they can't have that frequency. They can't do those speeds. They can't provide that stimulation because it's a motor versus an actual human being. But when I always say when we're discussing pleasure with partners, we should sometimes like I'm very direct in the way I approach things. So if I was to direct my partner and I would say, okay, well, I want to bring toys into the bedroom or I want to start exploring on my own. And my partner said something like, well, that means you're replacing me. I would look at my partner and say, so every time you masturbate, you replace me because men don't, they don't even, it's so innately ingrained that they're allowed to do that, that that's not even a thought in their, in their brains. They masturbate and then they can have sex, but they think that women aren't as sexual as they are. So if we masturbate, that means we don't want sex. When in fact, masturbation will lead to a better sex life because when you masturbate, you start learning more about your own body, what makes it tick, what makes you calm, what makes you like light up. And then you can communicate that to your partner. So when men look at competition, it's not competition. It's ultimately helping your sex life. So explaining that to your partner and saying, when I masturbate and I'm by myself and I explore my sexuality with myself, it's for the greater good of both of us because I deserve that ability. It's everyone's God-given, right? Right. I deserve the right to explore my pleasure. And then I want to tell you about it. I want to tell you what makes me feel good. I want to tell you and be able to communicate to you so that we can have a better sex life. Because what happens during sex with two people who are afraid to communicate what they want, what they desire, and what turns them on? It's super awkward missionary position sex. And it is both of them being like, I want to explore, but I can't have this conversation with my partner because they're going to think I'm a freak. And it's like, that's another thing. It's just being comfortable and vulnerable enough with your partner to say, hey, I really would love to explore this with you. What are your two cents? What do you feel about this? Is this like a non-negotiable? If it's a non-negotiable, is there a way that we can reach a middle ground, whether it's a new position, whether it's a new kink, whether it's a new toy, it can be added to the dynamic to make a better sex life because ultimately you are learning to communicate your wants and your desires to your partner and your partner will then be able to communicate those back to you. And how does that not equal a better sex life? Because you're both talking, you're both getting to know your bodies better because that's what sexual sexual exploration is about. It's getting to know your body and feeling safe within your body. As a woman, we're told we're not safe in our bodies, right? And so when you start exploring yourself sexually, you start to feel this level of safety with yourself. And you were able to say, I feel safe in my pleasure, the extent of my pleasure, the capabilities of my body. Now I can share that with my partner because they also make me feel safe. And so ultimately, a female exploring her sexuality is the best thing for a relationship. And it's just about sitting here and saying to your partner, I know you don't understand this, but let me try to explain this to you. Like, let's sit down and have a conversation where we're both open and we're both shields down, right? It's not a, I don't like this about sex and that's why I'm doing this, right? If we come in with that confrontational tone, your partner is going to get super defensive right off the bat and be like, no, this is, this is sex is taboo. We shouldn't be talking about this. We should just like grin it and bear it and have mediocre sex the rest of our life. So coming in and just being like, 
I want to talk about this. I want to explore this. And I want to hear what you want to explore and what you feel. And let's create something together. So ultimately, when women explore their pleasure, it makes the relationship better. Absolutely. And I love that you talk about the communication and the safety thing, because from my experience, I've noticed that when I feel safe with my partner and I feel like we have that open communication, I am, I'm up for anything. Like I am yeah. up for absolutely. And there's things that I've done that I never, ever thought I would do before, but because that safety was present and that communication was so open, it was like, okay, well, cool. We're going to go at our own pace and we're going to like be on the same page and we're not going to worry about looking stupid or being embarrassed in front of each other. And it just opens up an entirely new world. And you're like, why didn't I do this back in my twenties? <laughs> right. And well, that's because in your twenties, you're also dealing with uneducated 20 year olds, right? Like I always say this, I'm a big I don't know, advocate for teaching sex ed realistically to teenagers because the sex ed I got in what was it? 10th grade was bullshit. And I had the best teacher. Like she was amazing. She was willing to go there when other teachers wouldn't, but I was, I still had so many questions and I was still too embarrassed to ask it. And it still didn't talk about squirting and it didn't talk about creaming and it didn't talk about the different types of orgasms. And so I literally had to learn my body through the internet and other people. And so when we sit here and we start recognizing that one, we're allowed to feel pleasure as much as humanly possible. Two, we don't need to look pretty while feeling pleasure, which is a big thing women struggle with because of porn, because porn has this definite, like you said, growing up, porn was very like, it had to be the lady with the big, like fake breast. And she was super skinny and she had this super bleach blonde hair. And she was like shaven in the most perfect way. And her vagina was just like, fucking the prettiest fucking pussy you've ever seen barbie like pussy women, yeah like pretty, and like a lot of women look at that and say i don't look anything like that and yet this guy looks turned on by everything she's doing which is all fake right because she is faking it the faces she makes are fake it, no one looks pretty during sex everyone we all look like wild animals and that's completely okay and the second you let go of the fact that like oh well if i'm in this position my my stomach hangs a weird way. I don't like that. Or, oh, well, you can see my cellulite from this position or my varicose veins. No one fucking cares. Your partner in there is just so happy to be in there with you physically, like literally and like metaphorically, but they're so happy to be in that moment with you that you look like a goddamn goddess to them. No matter how shitty you feel like you look, they love every single second of it. So it's almost sitting here and saying, I'm safe in my pleasure. And I'm also safe in recognizing that I don't need to look like Miss America during sex. Like I get to let it go and like let go and control and just be in that moment with that person because I'm safe doing all of that because that person loves and adores me. And there's other people who will say, well, that's not my experience. Well, then you're with the wrong partner. And it's like, sorry, not sorry. If your partner makes you feel any less than or doesn't sit here and say how gorgeous and how incredible you are and doesn't empower you during sex, then they are not the right person to be sleeping with. And that's the sad thing is that because we have so many uneducated children and teenagers that don't get sex ed, we get uneducated adults who think squirting is pee and who think anal sex is disgusting or there or anal sex means something about your sexuality or your promiscuous, your promiscuity. And so it's just, 
it leads to us picking the wrong partners, which it happens. And then those partners live in the back of our head the whole time, right? Oh, well, he said I looked terrible when I'm doing this. Well, he was the wrong partner. The right partner will love and empower you and tell you how incredible you look all the time, even if you don't feel it, even if you feel like you look like a mess, they're still going to say, you're so sexy. I love your body. This is the way you look. Believe them when they say that, because that's them also reaffirming your sexiness and like validating how you feel because you should feel sexy and you shouldn't feel the need to like act in sex. Sex is not a performance. It's not a, um, it's not a play, right? It's, you get to be with your partner in that moment and gets to just be you too. And that's it. And it doesn't need to look perfect. It never will. We all look terrible. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes we make really weird fucking noises, which is something <laughs> I used to be so, so embarrassed about. So embarrassed. And now I'm just like, I don't care. It's we're animals. We're fucking whatever yeah, comes and, in, it's going to come out. If you don't like it. And like, yeah. <laughs> Like people are always like, oh my God, well, what if I queef? Then you just go with it, right? Because the body makes noises. A queef is just air. That's yeah. all it is, right? And so if you're in doggy position and you queef, it happens. Always like get lubrication is your best friend in every aspect of life. Why? Because lubrication will decrease the amount of air that's being pushed into you. So if you are queefing often, try a little extra lubrication. This should decrease it a little bit. But if it happens, ignore it. Roll with it. Your body's going to make weird noises all the time. And this is why, like you said, it's the right partner because the right partner is never going to stop and make fun of you. The right partner is going to like, they're, it's not even registering in their fucking brain. They're just happy to be there with you. Yeah. They're just happy to be participating. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that it, but it's, it's not anybody's fault that you feel like this either because society has told us this is how we're supposed to be. And it causes so many women to be in their head during sex where they can't even explore, like they can't think of having an orgasm because they're in their head about what they look like. They're in their head about the sounds. Um, one of the pieces of advice, I did a video on TikTok that went like insanely viral on one of my TikTok accounts. It was like 6.1 million um, views. Yeah, it was nuts. It was right before they freaking banned me for like the hundredth time, but it was like, Basically, it was about how women like to have sex with their eyes closed. And a lot of men take that as they're fantasizing about other people or they're not in the moment. But what it really is, is that women like to sink into the feeling of things. Women suffer from disruptive thoughts more than men. And like, meaning like you could be having sex and you look over and you see a pile of laundry in the corner of the room and you're done right? It pulls you completely out of the moment. Or you could be having sex and your eyes are open and all of a sudden you're like, shit, I got to make dinner at six o'clock tonight. And I need to still go to the grocery store. Women suffer from disruptive thoughts because our brains are on a constant loop of like, go, 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 because we're expected to do and be everything in this world. And so my biggest piece of advice was if you struggle with that, close your eyes during sex, shut the lights off. It doesn't mean anything. Explain it to your partner of like, I just really want to be here with you. And I get disruptive thoughts and my brain gets pulled out of the moment easily. And I just really want to enjoy this. And so it's like, shut the lights off, wear blindfolds, right? It's like, close your eyes, put light music on in the background so that if your bodies are making any noises that may pull you out of the moment, they're a little drowned by some music, light some candles. So the room doesn't smell crappy, right? Like it's whatever the one thing that 
pulls you out of the moment. Try to almost prepare for that going into sex and just let your partner know. Like I have a big thing with smell. Everything's got to smell. I have a scent of a German shepherd. It's freakish. And so like, if I'm going to have sex with my partner, he knows like he goes in and lights candles. I don't have to say anything. He just knows he makes the room smell nice so that I don't have to walk in and be like, what the hell is that smell? Like he helps me be more in the moment by me communicating things like I really dislike when things smell bad and it's like even taking trash out he takes trash out because I hate the smell of it but it's like when you communicate these little things to your partner they're able to pick up on them fairly quickly so that you don't have to communicate them anymore it just becomes part of your process of like okay well we're gonna have sex so I want to have sex. Let me go light the candles in the room for her. Let me put some music on. Let me set the mood for her so that when she comes in, she's more relaxed. I love that. Out of all of the questions that you get from women, what is, what's like the number one thing that women come to you for in terms of advice when, with sexuality? Oh, that's a lot. Uh, I would say the number one, the question I feel I repeat the most um, would be about like the difference between an orgasm squirting and creaming because women's bodies are capable of all three, right? And we're told that we just have orgasms, but there are women out there that can squirt and there are women that can ejaculate, right? And so when we look at female pleasure, I call it the three C's, climaxing, coming, and creaming. So with climaxing, there's 12 different types of orgasms that a woman can experience. Yeah, see, exactly, 12 different types, 12. (laughs) And so you sit there, and even the first time I heard that, I almost fell the fuck out of my chair because I was like, I knew maybe two or three, right? Like, okay, well, there's clit, there's vaginal, and then there's anal. But no, there's oral, there's a nipple, there's cervical, there's A spot, there's U spot, there's G spot, right? There's blended orgasms and multiple orgasms and sleep orgasms and coregasms. And like, it's amazing what the female body is capable of, but no one knows this. We think vaginal orgasms are the only style orgasms. Stop and think why you think that. It's because- what do they require? Penetration. Therefore, they require a quote unquote man. And so you're told that the only orgasms you can achieve are ones that are required with penetration when that's not true at all. And like I said, only 20% of women can get off with penetration alone. Uh, What is it? I think almost 90% of women can get off via clit stimulation. But once again, the clit is shamed. The clit is made to be like, it's, it's not anything that you deserve because it's built for pure pleasure. There's no other purpose of the clit except for pure pleasure, which means you can experience playing with that without a man, which means it's bad. And so women, one, don't even understand sometimes what orgasms are, or number two, feel like they're broken because they're not having orgasms via penetration. Then women have the ability to squirt, which squirting is during sexual arousal, either before, during, or after an orgasm, it can happen all three, your, your bladder fills with liquid. No, it's not pee. And this is what the miseducation is, is that, oh my God, I'm peeing during sex. You're not peeing. What it is, it's an arousal liquid that is, does it contain urine? Slight traces of urine. Yes. Why? Because it is excreted through the urethra where you pee through. And if you're like, ew, that's gross. Where do you think semen comes from? the urethra. 
So if a man ejaculates, are there trace amounts of urine in there? Most definitely. But because squirting is something that men don't understand and that scientists don't understand, everyone's like, you're peeing. You're not freaking peeing. It comes out. It's got fructose in it. It has PSAs in it. It is a clear liquid. It doesn't smell like pee. People say it tastes sweet because of the fructose. And it looks like water. That's basically what it is. And women have the ability to squirt. And it feels like from like, I've spoken with a bunch of people and then read studies. Some people say it feels like you have to pee. Like all of a sudden you're having sex and you're like, oh my God, I have to pee. I have to pee. What is that? That's your body telling you that you have to squirt or that you want to squirt. But what happens is we get to that, that level and then we go, oh my God, this isn't right. I shouldn't be feeling this. I'm going to piss on his face. I'm going to piss on his dick. Oh my God, stop. And so women will stop themselves and push their partners away. I used to, when I didn't know what was going on, like I found out I could squirt because I was in 69 position first and last time I've ever been in that position when I was like fucking 23 and it happened. And my boyfriend was like, do you realize what you just did? And I was like, no, what? So he just squirted. I was like, what the fuck is that? That's how I found out. I, and then I had to Google it because no one told me about it. No one explained what it was. And so when you squirt, it is a release and it feels like it can come out as little as like a dribble or you can literally gush. Uh, you see it in porn. Porn is so ridiculous because it has like the woman gushing from one side of the room to the other. No, that doesn't really happen. Um, if you look at squirting, go look at OnlyFans. I think OnlyFans gives the most realistic sex like porn nowadays like you said it is women empowering themselves and having control over their own body but it's also women of a variety of shapes and sizes on there and it's women who are going to show you what squirting looks like rather than what you're seeing in main like mainstream porn that is directed by a man right because it can be studies say it's as little as a milliliter to as high as a hundred milliliters so like as little as a dribble to as much as a cup sometimes and then you have female ejaculation because women can ejaculate just like men. Uh, it is a milky white substance that is excreted from your skin glands, which are located on the opposite sides of your vulva, right? And so this looks like semen. And it also has fructose and PSAs in it. Um, creaming is different for every single woman. Uh, typically, it happens post orgasm. Um, but a lot of women don't even know they have the ability to do that because it's not something you can see happen unless you record yourself during, or you have a toy and you pull the toy off and you see it, or your partner says something. A lot of women don't realize that they have the ability to ejaculate. And like you read studies on this because I read it all the time because I just wanted to understand my body because no one tells me this shit. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening to my body? And even studies are so skewed. It's like, it says, not every woman has a G-spot. Every woman has a G-spot. Not every woman can squirt between 5 and 50. 5 and 50%. That variant is fucking ridiculous. Can squirt. It is squirting contains urine. Squirting doesn't. It's all contradictory evidence, right? Just like the contradictory information that we're told about ourselves every day. And a lot of these studies are done by men who will never understand female pleasure because they've never experienced it. And so they're looking at it from an objective standpoint without looking at it from someone who actually experiences it. And so the biggest question I just get usually is like, what is an orgasm? Um, is this normal? 
I squirted and my boyfriend was like really shocked. Is this normal? I noticed that there was a Milky Way substance on my toy after I was done masturbating. Is this normal? Um, when I have an orgasm, I can feel my anus contract as well as my vag, like my vaginal canal contract. Is it normal? Is it normal? Is it normal? Is it normal? Every question leads to, is it normal? And 95% of the time, it is normal, but this is the lack of education that we're given makes us feel like something's wrong with our body. So a woman squirts and she thinks she's pissing all over her partner. And if her partner's uneducated and doesn't understand what's going on, he's then telling her she's pissing all over him. And so even though I come up every single day on fucking social media platforms with studies and research and all of this, I still get every single day people who say it's pee on my things or it says i'll say the three c's of female pleasure and some asshole will say cash credit or uh charge and i'm just like it's stupid ignorant shit every day and it shows you that there are uneducated people out in this world but don't make those uneducated people make you feel any less than you're not the problem they are the problem and society um villainizes what it doesn't understand and it doesn't understand female pleasure and it doesn't want to and that's the point. So when you're experimenting all of experimenting with all of this and experience experiencing it, recognize that you are safe and that it is normal and that you deserve to feel that pleasure and that orgasms look differently for every single woman. Squirting feels differently, creaming does. And so even if you're having conversations with your friends and your friend says, "Well, if a nipple orgasm feels a little different for me, that's okay. Everybody's body is different." And so we have to recognize that like your pleasure is yours. You get to feel it the way you want to feel it. And it's completely normal and it's completely safe. Incredible. I, <laughs> I fucking love this conversation. It is so needed. And I'm so glad that you're doing this work in the world because I'm shocked that it's 2023 and there are still so many ignorant ideas floating around in the online it, space. I literally opened my DMs every single day and the messages because I get the worst of the haters right like oh, I can imagine <laughs> I will say that like I have never dealt with even when I was doing business coaching haters were minuscule compared to the amount of ignorance and hate I get now just talking about shit about like and it's always these like old ass men who are commenting on my shit and just calling me all of these names or dming me or I see comments on on posts and on reels. And I'm just like, holy shit, we're still here. Like we're still here. And it's, it's terrifying. And it, I think that they think that by doing that, they're going to stop me from talking. But in fact, that's why I'm going to keep talking because if people are dealing with that ignorance, then those women who are dealing with that ignorance then are almost ignorant about their own bodies and it's not their fault or their shame or even like, whole other subject for today, but like internalized misogyny, where we then attack other women who are expressing themselves sexually because we're told they're whores. And so we go on the bend of telling them that they're whorish and that they should shut the fuck up and that they don't deserve that. And so it's just like every day I get hit with all of this shit, but it's just further proof that these are the conversations we need to be having because I know that I got sick and tired of talking about sex behind closed doors with my friends. Like we'd whisper about it. Oh my God. Or we'd start talking about toys and it would be like, is anybody else around? And I'm like, men don't have this problem for Christ's sakes. Men can talk about their sexuality 
openly and address it openly. We had a president that went on and said he'd grab a woman's pussy and the whole world went, oh, okay. But like a woman can't sit here and talk about a toy or talk about her pleasure without the entire world also accepting it. And it just got upsetting. And it just is every day the ignorance is obnoxious, but it's also like we need to keep bringing these conversations to the forefront so that women can just feel safe because every single woman on this planet deserves to feel safe within her body. Where can people find you? Because they need to go follow you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm like, I am on everything. Um, Well, I do have a podcast. I actually just changed the name. It's called Smecks. Ed, S-M-E-X, and a lot of people don't get why it's called Smex. I had three TikTok accounts that I was banned off of because of talking about sex education. I had 100,000 followers and they shut down my account. Then I had 23,000 followers, they shut down my account. And it's because they make us censor sex talk, right? I can't say the word clitoris, I have to say the word smitteris. It's ridiculous. I can't say smag- I can't say vaginal. I have to say smaginal. I can't say anal sex. I have to say snail sex. Like I have to make up all of these stupid words. And so the idea of Smex Ed, the podcast, and I also have Smex Ed, the magazine, which is a free digital magazine that teaches you the shit that you should have learned in high school, um, was a big fuck you to the censorship that sex educators have to face because it's not fair that we aren't allowed to call our clinical body parts by their names. Uh, You can also come find me on Instagram and Snapchat. It's the.amandaking. And then you can find me on Facebook. I think my username is like amandaking108 or amanda.king108. You can basically find me anywhere. (laughs) I'm in all of the things right now. exactly what the world needs. Well, thank you you. so, so much for being here. I have loved this conversation. Thank you. I have too. This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Have a great rest of your day. You too.